work through Tanner and his wife, Courtney. Of course, she's not able to be here today since she's almost ready to have their baby. But uh, let's welcome Tanner as he comes. The Lord has been giving him a little extra for us today, so I'm glad we got lots of time to, for you to uh, share with us the things you have in your heart. How come the middle section is almost empty? Chris is the only one. I'll come sit with you, Chris. All the other kids left. So let's welcome Tanner. So uh, today, just I kind of want to get started on something really quick. Um, while we were worshiping, I really, uh, in the Assemblies of God, we believe that God speaks to us. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to us. And ministry is where the practical meets the spiritual. And so today, um, I don't normally do this when I come and share at churches, but I asked uh, Jim for permission. Um, I really feel like God is wanting us to get a little bit spiritual before we get practical. And so um, to prepare you guys, you guys know... Uh, every time I come here, I like to share stories. And so to get your heart ready for the spiritual, I want to share a quick story, a couple stories with you guys. Um, the first story is a story of a student. His name was Afa. He was from Hawaii. He is from Hawaii. He's a good friend of mine. Um, one day we were worshiping, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit told me to go over to Afa and tell him that he's not stupid. I, being, you know, a pastor or whatever, I was like, God doesn't use words like stupid. That's weird. Why would he say that? He'd use more eloquent words. So I was like, all right, no, that's not God. And that feeling just kept repeating in my mind. Go tell Alpha he's not stupid. And I was like, all right, God, um, if, if this is you, give us the opportunity. And right then our worship leader stops and he goes, hey, you know what? I really feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us to, to go and find somebody to pray with. So I was like, all right, so maybe this is the Holy Spirit. So I walk over to Afa, like, hey, Afa, um, can I pray for you? He's like, yeah. And I was like, I just really feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to tell you that you're not stupid. And then I try in my pastor wisdom to uh, explain what God meant. And Afa starts crying, and he stops me. He literally just says, shut up. What did the Holy Spirit tell you? And I said, Afa, I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that you're not stupid. And he's choking back tears, and he says, the entire time during worship I've been standing here calling myself stupid because I couldn't hear the Lord's voice. And so um, that's one of many stories that I have that are like that, but I just kind of want to prep that story with a Holy Spirit speaks to us. God speaks to us. Um, and so... We as uh, the Assemblies of God believe that we hear from God in ways like that, in different ways. And so <clears throat> as a pastor, you know, it could be easy for you to just go, well, he's a pastor, he hears from God. Well, I want to tell a couple stories about students. And so um, we have a practical approach to prayer in our ministry. We have this thing um, every once in a while called the well. We just call it the well. Um, it's a place where students can come, and the whole point of the well is to teach our students how to hear from the Holy Spirit, how to hear from God, um, how to trust that God is speaking to them. At this, um, at the well, we have a bunch of different nights. Sometimes it's prayer, sometimes it's, it's worship. It's a lot of different ways that it just kind of presents itself. And uh, at the well, there's oftentimes we teach people how to pray. And at the well, um, there's been so many times where 
we've seen literal miracles that we can tangibly can't, like test. Um, we've had we had a student who had a pretty nasty fracture in his leg. It was instantly healed. He took his boot off. I advised him not to. Um, he took his boot off, was walking around, went in for an x-ray that next week, and his leg was completely healed. Um, we had a young lady who she was dealing with horrible migraines, horrible headaches, um, to the point where she was getting ready to drop out of college. It was getting so bad. Um, it was just getting to the point where she needed help. So she goes in, she gets, uh, I think it was an MRI done, and she has a brain tumor. And it's a pretty decent brain tumor. And so we're praying for her, and we just encourage the students to pray for each other. And so the students pray for her, and she instantly feels like her headaches are gone. She can see better. And later that week, she literally goes in for a test because they had a follow-up to try to see what they could do about this tumor. And the tumor was completely gone out of her brain. And so we've seen literal miracles. And these are things that, you know, um, they're part of the reason why I have the faith that I do to do the other things that I do in ministry is because I've seen literal miracles happen from just our students praying for one another. And so, um, try, to, try to make the long story short so I can get to the sermon. You know, there's, um, I like to tell stories and I could keep going for a long time, but I feel like God's wanting to provide a minute for this body to grow. That for too long, um, I feel, like, I feel like the Holy Spirit said that for too long, this church's foundation has been fractured, and it's been too reliant upon leaders. And so today, I just want to give an opportunity, if you have a need, if you've got a miracle that is something in your life that you need a miracle, we just want to give an opportunity for you guys to pray for one another. And so if that's you, and there's something that's in need, it's a big need, and you're believing for it, I just want you to ask, ask you to step out in faith and just raise your hand. If there's a miracle that you need in your life, and you need some, you just need a miracle, you need prayer, um, if that's you, raise your hand. Okay, so we have one miracle that we're in need of. And so what we're going to do is, I want anybody and everybody to gather around her to pray for her. And you're going to pray for her. And Jim, I actually want you to come up here. Yeah, stand up. And I want every, the body to surround her and, and pray for her. So what I want you to do is to tell those who are surrounding you what your prayer need is. Let them know so that they can pray more accurately for what you're believing in. Can I just get a couple people to to believe in prayer and pray for that need?
Amen. You guys can be seated. No, you're good. So, I just want to ask, how many of you guys in this room, in this church, knew that that was a prayer need that Pam had? That you already knew that prayer, that Pam needed that prayer? This is what the body is for. Pam was needing a miracle. The body should already have known. It should be community knowledge that we're praying for each other, praying for Pam's needs. And so I just want to encourage you guys to, to seek each other out for your prayer needs, to seek each other out for those miracles, because it doesn't have to always be Pastor Jim. It doesn't have to be Brooke. Um, it doesn't have to be the Jacobos. It could be um, any of you guys praying for these miracles. The miracles do happen, and they still do occur. Now, not always, um, but miracles happen, and we as a body need to come together better. In today's world, we as a body need to come together better to be praying for each other, to be believing in each other, to be there for each other. And so I hope that you guys would continue to pray for Pam and pray for that need and continue to seek out and ask her how it's going. Continue to pray for her. And those of you guys that maybe were too reluctant and you didn't want the spotlight on you and you have a miracle, I encourage you to reach out to those within the body to be praying for those miracles. And you guys can start seeing, you guys can see these miracles that we see at Shatter State every year. We see all kinds of miracles every year because we just believe and we, we encourage students to pray for each other. We encourage people to actually seek each other out. And I would actually say I'm not involved in the vast majority of miracles that occur in our ministry because our students seek each other out. I love being involved because I love to see them because it's, it's, it builds faith that God is really real. He is doing things. But I, if I'm being honest, I'm not the one praying for them when most of the miracles happen. I wish I could be but I'm not. It's usually the body praying for each other because we're all gifted in different ways. And so um, with that, I want to get into my message. Thank you for letting me, Jim, go on kind of a little bit of what I feel like the Holy Spirit was guiding us in today. But I want to say it's always great to come back to my hometown to speak in Alliance. Um, I love this body. I love you guys. And uh, I always look forward to the opportunity to come and share with you guys. And so um, I just want to share with you guys a little bit. If you don't know me already, I'm Pastor Tanner Sherlock. Uh, my wife, Courtney, and I were the Kyle directors, as Jim said, at Shiner State College, and we will be entering our ninth year as directors. It's crazy to me that it's been nine years. I was just visiting with uh, one of my former students, and um, he informed me that he got married five years ago, and my heart broke a little bit because <laughs> I didn't realize it had been five years. I thought it was like two. Uh, time's going by, but it's good. Um, and so for those guys that don't know, Chi Alpha is a college ministry. It's based under the Assemblies of God, um, under the umbrella of the Assemblies of God, and they're on campuses all over the world. I guess I told you the number. Um, that's worldwide, not just U.S.-wide. But uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you guys. I, I really believe um, in, in honor and, and respect, and I want to honor you guys as a body who believes in Courtney and I and invests in us financially, invests in us spiritually, um, I want to thank this body for that, for that time, for those prayers, for that investment, because I really do believe that we couldn't do what we do on the campus if it wasn't for you guys believing in us and for you guys supporting us. And so we are effective on the college ministry, on the college campus because of you and because of churches and because of individuals who believe in us and pray for us. And so uh, just to kind of get started today, um, 
I'm going to be honest with you. Today's been really interesting for me. Um, not going to lie, being Father's Day, um, those of you guys know, uh, we have a baby that's going to be due here within the next couple weeks, and uh, I'm kind of venturing in, learning as much as I can about being a father. I'm excited to be a father, um, but at the same time, this is the first Father's Day that I will be spending without my dad. Um, he passed away a little over a month ago, and we actually had his ceremony here in this church uh, just a little over a month ago, and so um, just kind of wrestling the emotions of remembering my dad and at the same time being excited for my future and being excited to get a chance to meet our son. And, uh, and so today's been a, a day of wrestling, of, of high emotion, both good and bad, of, of just um, mourning at the same time as excitement and people telling me Happy Father's Day because I have one on the way. And at the same time, you know, every time that kind of reminds me of my dad. And so it's definitely, definitely an interesting day for me being here. Um, and so, uh, but at the same time, I'm excited because, um, you know, my heart and my passion really is, is, uh, ministry and, 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 um, I love to share what we do in our ministry as well. And so there's that excitement along with everything else. And so, um, just letting you kind of know where my brain's at today. It's all over the place. And so if I go off on some rabbit trails, I apologize, but that's just the state of my mind today. Um. And so uh, just to give you guys kind of an update of, of how Shatter State Chi Alpha is going, um, this last school year was the, we were able to be back on campus in large groups. Um, if two years ago, we were not able to be on campus um, in large groups because of the pandemic and because of, of the college's restrictions, we weren't allowed to have groups of more than six uh, meet. So we weren't allowed to have large group meetings. So we kind of had to double down into small group settings, into one-on-one -on -one settings. And so uh, out of the 3,000 college students um, on the college campus this last school year, um, we figured that roughly around 6% attended church of some kind weekly. Um, that statistically and categorically means that 94% of the Shatter State College campus is categorically considered unchurched. Um, that number is dramatic for some people. You know, We always kind of think of our small town and our small town colleges as being churched and Christian, and, and really, even at Shatter State College, it is considered an unchurched body. It's an unreached group, basically, at this point. And so, um, because of the pandemic and because of, of not being able to meet on campus last, or two years ago, our small groups, or our group this year was a little bit smaller than normal. But through that, um, we were able to raise up six new small group leaders to enter into the next school year. We were able to take 16 students to uh, SALT Winter Conference this last year and uh, that we weren't even able to have the year before. And so this year was kind of a year of just getting back to normal, kind of getting our feet wet again and having the large group and being on campus and actually being able to do the things that we love to do in ministry. And so um, speaking of Winter Conference, um, I made the big mistake of telling our students before we left um, that there was no excuses accepted as to why they couldn't go because we had worked with our college and our college had an abundance of money because there were so few um, clubs on campus doing anything that they were basically handing out money to clubs to do stuff as a club. And so we were able to get the college to actually fund our students' way to go to Winter Conference this year. So I told our students, no excuses, you're going. Well, we left on Friday the 15th of January. Five days before that, 
I was up in Estes Park, and I slipped and I fell, and I tore my patellar tendon. So if you don't know what your patellar tendon is, it's a tendon in front of your knee that connects your kneecap to your patella, and it pretty much causes your knee to move in every way that your knee moves. And so I told my students, no excuses. And so I spent that next week bouncing around from doctor to doctor to try to figure out what had happened. And they went from ACL to MCL to broke your femur. It was, there was a bunch of different things. And uh, so I finally was able to get an MRI in on Thursday. I had to end up going to Rapid City to get the MRI done because Shattering wasn't going to be able to do it prior to us leaving. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to cause any further damage to my leg by driving to Omaha or riding in a car to Omaha. And so um, we got the MRI scheduled, and they figured out that it was the patellar tendon. And so then I spent the entire, um, the entire day, Thursday evening, once they had gotten back to me, trying to call around, talking to, to physical therapists, talking to doctors, talking to anybody that would listen to me to ask um, whether or not I would do further damage by going. And the consensus was basically, you probably shouldn't go, but you're probably also not going to do a whole lot of damage if you're not stupid about it. And so I was like, okay, we can do this. So they were like, okay, keep your leg straight in the brace at all times. Keep it elevated at all times and put ice on it every hour, all the time. Don't be doing anything stupid. You could cause further damage. Just don't do anything. And so I was like, all right, I told my students no excuses. So I would feel pretty hypocritical if I came up with an excuse last second. Oh, sorry, I can't come. So uh, we got one of our staff members to drive his bigger vehicle. I propped myself in the back seat, legs sprawled out, and uh, we headed out to Omaha with our students. And so <clears throat> looking back, I could probably tell you that I maybe shouldn't have gone, but at the same time, it was, if I could do it all over again, I'd still probably go um, because of the outcome. At that conference, we had multiple students give their lives to Christ, multiple students rededicate their lives to Christ, and as well as a couple miracles happened. And so for me, even though it was, my legs swelled up, like it swelled up so bad that there was bruising from like up here down to my calf from wearing the brace the whole time because the swelling and it was a nightmare. But I would still go and do it all over again, endure that pain all over again to be able to be there to watch my students' lives change. And students who struggle with depression, no longer struggling with depression. Students having mental miracles occur. And I got to be there and see it. So it was all worth it. And I would, do, I would do it all over again. And so from that, you can imagine um, what that next few months in my household looked like. Uh, I had to go in and get surgery done, which that was a fun story too. After service, you can ask me all about it. I'll tell you about it. It was great. Um, but my wife, who's now in her second trimester then, trimester then, um, is now taking care of me instead of the other way around. And uh, there was one time she was washing my feet, and she looked at me dead straight-faced and just said, you will remember this in a couple weeks. I laughed. She didn't. And let's just say a few months later now, I am telling you that I still remember <laughs> that she was the one washing my feet while she was in her second trimester. And so I tell those, those stories just because that kind of gives you a little snippet of what this school year was like. It was 
ups and downs of expecting the birth of, of a baby. We're finally going to have kids after all of these years of being married. Um, seeing miracles happen, seeing cool things happen. And then at the same time, I'm tearing my patellar tendon. And then shortly after, I tear my patellar tendon. My dad passes away. And so there's ups and downs. And so there's good and the bad. And so this school year, that, that, those short stories really embody what the school year was like for us. And, and honestly, within our ministry, it was very similar. There was ups and downs. There was, there was lives saved. And then there was people who um, struggled. And there's, there's the ups and downs. Ministry has ups and downs. And so um, within your body, you're going to have ups and downs. And so, <clears throat> again, um, I don't know if you can tell yet, but I'm a guy who likes to tell stories. And so I just want to share with you guys a couple stories of students um, who have come out of our ministry. And I tried to be very careful to make sure that I didn't double up on stories of students who I've already shared with you guys in the past. And so I want to share the story of a young man who came to Chi Alpha because he was in a hard place with his life. He was considering dropping out. He couldn't make friends, um, was seriously considering taking his own life, wrestling between whether he wanted to drop out of college or commit suicide, basically. And this student <clears throat> finally decides that he'd check out a ministry on campus. He finds Chi Alpha. He comes to one of our fellowship nights, finds a great group of friends, feels like he can start to belong. Eventually, he meets a pastor's kid who comes from Valentine. And then this last December, I got to officiate their wedding in her home church. And then this young man decided to come on staff with us full time with Chi Alpha. And so He's now on our staff helping us to reach the college campus. So this is a young man who was seriously considering taking his life, who is now fully involved in ministry and fully involved um, with the Shatter State College Chi Alpha. Another story I have is a young man of Wyoming. Um, we get a lot of students from Wyoming, in case you can't tell with our stories. Another young man who voted Wyoming came to Shatter to play football at a small group. Here's the voice of God calling him into ministry. He transfers to Lee University and is now pursuing full-time ministry so that he can become a youth pastor and a football coach. Another story of a young man who came out of Colorado. Uh, he immediately sought out a ministry on campus. He found Chi Alpha, immediately got involved in our small groups, sought me out to disciple him, and uh, he became a small group leader his sophomore through, junior, through senior years, became a worship leader, Again, met and married another small group leader, and fast forward five years, this young man is now the pastor at Northfield Shadron. We have another story of a young man who came to Shadron because it had a Chi Alpha and because they offered him a track scholarship, and this student became a small group leader. He became another one of our worship leaders. He came faithfully to the small group that I led. He was discipled by me. He moved home, and he helped plant the church in Mililani Town, Hawaii. And so, one last story. Um, this last summer, I actually got to experience something new. It was actually really cool. I've never got to experience this before. In all the years of ministry, we've done it. And I've talked to many different campus pastors and Kyle directors, and none of them have got to experience this. So it was a really cool opportunity for me. Um, so we had a student who met uh, his wife in Chi Alpha, and so they asked me to officiate their wedding. If you can't tell, I do a lot of weddings in Chi Alpha. It's one of my favorite things. Like, I love it. Students who love Christ, meeting each other, and getting married, it's, it's great. Um, and so uh, he met his wife, uh, met his now wife, in Chi Alpha, and asked me to officiate their wedding in Chapel, Nebraska. And so um, 
this young man was just moving to chapel to become a sheriff's deputy. Um, his wife was moving there to become a teacher. And so um, I got the opportunity to go in and officiate their wedding in chapel in their future home church. They had literally just moved there. And uh, Pastor Kevin, who's the pastor there at chapel, he said, hey, you're going to be in town on Saturday. Do you just want to preach on Sunday morning? I was like, that's going to be exhausting. And he's like, well, it can be a terrible service. I was like, all right, if I have that excuse, let's go. And so I was like, I'll be tired, but you know what? I'll be there. Let's do this because I'll already be staying the night. So I would already be there Sunday anyway. And so I got to, to stand in front of a future congregation and share with them about two of our students who are now joining their body, who are going to be members of their church, who were sheriff's deputy and a teacher in their town, and basically model what it's like to be Chi Alpha. We partner with you. You send us your youth. We then try to send you back those students as pillars of your community who are also going to be pillars of your church, who can also be small group leaders in your church, who can be board members in your church. We try to send them ready to go in ministry back to your guys' church. And so that's kind of the definition of Chi Alpha and what we do with Chi Alpha is our students become teachers, law officers, bankers, investors, doctors, nurses, farmers, ranchers who are Christian back into the communities that they once came from or into new communities. There's teachers here in Alliance who were Chi Alpha, uh, Chi Alpha students, Chi Alpha leaders who come down to teach in Alliance. And so um, I just want to transition one more time. I love stories. I'm sorry if you don't like stories and this part isn't entertaining to you. I apologize a little bit, but I love stories. So I'm going to tell one last story um, about another important part of our ministry at Shattering State College is to our international students. And I know last week or last year when I was here, I shared quite extensively about our international students. So um, this time I'm just going to take a few seconds, but it's such an important part and a part of my life and a, a big heart of mine is, is our international students. And so I just want to take a second to share with you guys. And so um, in Chi Alpha at Shattering State College, um, as the director, my wife and I have gotten the opportunity to minister to students from Nigeria, the Dem Democratic Republic of Congo, India, Nepal, Ghana, Morocco, Somalia, Rwanda, Pakistan, Israel, Mexico, Jamaica, Ukraine, Polynesian Islands, China, Japan, Thailand, Brazil, Burma, Russia, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, and a few others that I won't name. It's a pretty extensive list of countries in which these are students who have come and been a part and been involved in Chi Alpha at Shattern State College. Not, not Chi Alpha Worldwide, Chi Alpha at Shattern State College. So we get students from all over the world who come, they get involved with Chi Alpha, they learn about Jesus. You know, we've had students from sensitive countries who are involved in the government in those sensitive countries who are from Islamic countries who become pro-Christian. Even if they don't get saved and become Christian, they still realize that, hey, Christians actually do love us and care for us. They're not here to hurt us or harm our way of life. And so they began fighting for um, pro-Christian purposes, allowing their countries to become open to the word of God and uh, to stop persecuting Christians and stop putting to death Christians. And so they got these opportunities at a secular college here in the United States. And so it's just an awesome opportunity um, and like I said, I know I shared last time I was here pretty extensively about our international students, but it's, it's a big part of our ministry. This last school year, about a quarter of our students weren't from America. 
if that kind of gives you a perspective of the body of student we have and, and who we're ministering to. And so we have graduated, and I did a little researching because I wanted to figure out. Um, under Courtney and I's direction, we've graduated three international students who um, are working towards their doctorates or have their doctorates in their perspective fields, and we have enough that I can't even remember them all of students who are either currently enrolled and working toward their master's degrees in their perspective fields or have already maintained their master's degrees and went back home. And so to give you guys an idea, these guys, these students who come to America are oftentimes the brightest, smartest students from these countries. A lot of times their entire families pool together financially in order to send them here and they basically pick the smartest and the brightest of their family to come to America to study, to get a degree because it's that prestigious in their countries. And so they will come over here and these guys are smart, intelligent, gifted young men and women. And so they get to come to an opportunity or come to America where we have um, open, uh, open opportunity to share the gospel with them without risk of government intervention or political intervention or um, religious intervention. And so um, it's just an awesome opportunity that we have um, to reach the international students. And so um, this next school year, that's a prayer need. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to be praying for our international students as you pray for my wife and I to reach the college campus. Um, it's, it's a big part of our ministry, and we're looking to grow our international part of our ministry quite a bit this next year. Um, it's just a big part of our heart. And so uh, that concludes the story portion of today. Um, if, if you're not big on stories, um, good. We get to pr progress into the sermon and so I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share with you guys. Um, I have a hard time when pastors want to bring me in to, to preach, and they're like, hey, don't talk about Chi Alpha a whole lot. And I'm like, then why are you bringing me in? Because that's all I like to talk about is Chi Alpha and what we do in our ministry. And so uh, I thank you, Jim, for allowing me to come back year after year and share about Chi Alpha. But at the same time, I also want to um, encourage you guys. And, and if, if I can while I'm here, you know, obviously I want to share about our ministry and and uh, we're expecting a child, and so obviously with that, um, the Chi Alpha National Office requires us a budget increase. And so we are here because we are trying to also raise finances. And so that's a big part of why we're here too. Um, and so I would just want to encourage you, if, if our ministry is something you want to partner with, um, come and talk to me after service. Um, we, we're looking for partners. We're put, looking for both financial and prayerful partners who can invest in our ministry so that we can remain on campus in the fall. And National Chi Alpha requires us to be at a certain dollar amount in order to be full-time because they want to ensure that we're healthy. And so, um, but each and every story that I told you was a story of a young man or woman who either Courtney or I personally discipled. Um, they were stories of, of students who were discipled one-on-one, -on -one, and a lot of our Christian churches, when we have the conversation about discipleship, a lot of times if I ask you, what is discipleship? What, is, what does it look like to be discipled? Most of our Christian churches can't really answer that question. They don't know what discipleship looks like. They don't know what it looks like to be discipled or to make a disciple. Even though Jesus left us with the charge, he left us with, with two charges, to, to love and to make disciples. And so even though it was one of the two definitive things that we don't have to hear a, a tangible voice from God in order to go into, it's two things that Scripture very clear, clearly tells us we should do. 
John 13 tells us that everyone will know we are Jesus' disciples by the way that we love one another. And I just want to pause on that for a second because so often people are turned off from the church because they weren't loved or because somebody in the church was a jerk. Somebody in the church was rude. Somebody in the church was, pardon my French, but I'm a college pastor, a crappy person. So many people leave, leave the church not because of Jesus, because of who God is, but because of who we are. And Jesus says that everyone else will know that we are Jesus' disciples by the way we love one another. What kind of love is it to be recognized for the way you love? Not just that you do it. Not that just, just hey, I love everybody. But love in a way that is recognized. Love in a way that others can look upon and go, man, that person must be a Christian because I've never seen someone to love that way. I've never seen someone love that sacrificially. I've never seen someone care that much. And I don't know about you, but as I read the Bible, it becomes very clear to me, especially while reading Jesus' words, that it is so important the way that we treat one another, the way that we love one another, the way that we care for each other. As human beings and as Christians, especially as Christians, Jesus' big charge when people would come against him was to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commands are fulfilled by that. That makes it really easy. That makes faith really easy. That makes it being a Christian really easy. How can I be a good Christian? Love somebody. Well, I don't pray enough. That's, do you love your neighbor? I don't hear God's voice. Do you love your neighbor? Well, I don't have any money. Do you love your neighbor? We make so many excuses for why we don't love each other. And then in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples. Two charges that Jesus has for us as Christians. Love and make disciples. One of the most important ways of making disciples is teaching others, teaching other Christians how to love. What does it look like to love one another? And so at Shatner State Chi Alpha, that's, that's our goal is to love these students, whether they're Christian, whether they come to Chi Alpha, whether they go to another ministry on campus, that doesn't matter. We want to love these students. And we want to make disciples who we then teach to love the campus the same way we do. It's really that simple. Anything and everything in our ministry really does come down to those things. Yeah, there's some practical things and there's some spiritual things, but really when it comes down to it, those are the two most important aspects of our ministry. So as Christians, what I've found is, and I see this more and more with our young students coming up, that we waste so much time waiting to hear God's call on our lives, waiting to hear God tell us what to do, waiting for God's audible voice to, to show us and to tell us what we need to do as Christians in order to serve him. And we end up wasting thousands of opportunities because we thought we needed to hear the audible voice of God or, or a tangible voice of God to tell us what we need to do, while at the same time, we're just ignoring what is written in the Bible in front of us. 
And in no way am I diminishing those of you who do hear tangible calls from God um, calling you into something because I received a tangible call of God into ministry, but my wife didn't. It was something that developed over a time and a, and a um, year's worth of loving people and recognizing that, hey, I love these college kids and I want to do this full time. And so I'm going to go into ministry with my husband because I have such a heart and a passion for these students. And I'm going to do what Jesus called me to do. And I'm going to love these students and I'm going to make disciples of these students. Eventually that call was confirmed. Because when it comes down to it, the two things that Christians should be the best at, we should be better than anybody else at, is loving others and making disciples. But oftentimes I found that the American church, two things that we struggle with the most are loving others and making disciples. Why do we struggle so much with something that should be so easy for us to do? Why, as the American church, do we have such a hard heart? Why, as the American church, is it so hard for us to to reach out to others and to love them? And really what it comes down to, and what I truly believe it is, we've overcomplicated this thing. We've overcomplicated a relationship with Jesus. We've overcomplicated uh, serving Christ into a religion into an obligation, into something that it's not ever meant to be. Jesus spoke up against the religious um, leaders of that day because they'd done the same thing that we do in the American church so often. And Jesus took the time with the disciples to break it down and to show them, this is how you love. This is how you care for others. This is how you show people that you love them. Because it's, it's one thing to love somebody silently. It's another thing to love them publicly and to love them out loud. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Today I would bet that every single person in here believes in Jesus or knows of Jesus because somebody else shared the gospel with them in some way, shape, or form. So our call to make Jesus or our call from Jesus to make disciples stems from our own faith. It stems from what we feel inside. It stems from our love and our passion for others. Which we have because someone shared the gospel with us first. Someone shared about Jesus first. Someone took the time to teach us how to love. Making disciples is about teaching others how to love and to continue the cycle of redemption, passing on the faith that was once passed on to you. Because I found oftentimes God wants to do through us what he once did in us. And so now as somebody who struggled with alcohol, struggled with addiction, um, struggled with depression, struggled with life in general, statistically, 
if I'd have continued in the path I was going before I found Jesus, I would not be alive, and, and I also truly believe it. I had been jailed. I drank to be blackout drunk three or four times a week. A relationship with Jesus because someone shared it with me first. And I'm here today because of that. And so now I get the opportunity to share with students on the college campus who are just like me, struggling with depression, not feeling loved, not feeling like they belonged, feeling isolated and alone, and I get to come alongside them and show them, hey, somebody does care for you, somebody does love you. Let's come together. Let's do something about it. Because when it comes down to it, you guys, here in Alliance, man, the one thing I talk to people about when, when somebody says that they just recently moved to Alliance from somewhere else, they always say how heavy it is, how depressed people are, how sad people are, how lonely people are. This community is in need of your love. This community is in need of your friendship. We want to all overcomplicate it and Oh, I don't, I don't know how to talk about Jesus to somebody. Just love them. Because when you go to the DMV, there's people who don't know Jesus who need love. When you go get groceries, there's people who are depressed and lonely and feel isolated. Your next-door neighbors, your coworkers, this community is full of people who are isolated and alone. And all we have to do as Christians is allow, not force, allow our faith to multiply. Allow our love to multiply. We know what it feels like to feel loved. Let's allow that feeling to multiply and love somebody the same way we wish we were loved. Now this is the part where the enemy likes to come in and try to warp what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to stand in a pulpit and preach a sermon. I'm not saying that you need to lead a Bible study. I'm not saying you need to lead a small group. I'm not saying you need to go door to door to tell people about Jesus. I'm not saying that you need to insert the one thing that you absolutely are petrified of doing. And I'm not saying the one thing where you consider to be a cringy church thing. I'm not saying do that. I'm saying break it down. Keep it simple. Don't over-religify. That's a word, I just made it up. Don't over-religify the things that Jesus asked us to do. So as a pastor, as the one standing behind the pulpit week in and week out at Chi Alpha, I'm going to share with you guys what it looks like for me to share about Jesus. It's going to be radical. You guys, are, your lives are going to be transformed. Hey, Francisco, do you like tacos? Do you mind if I buy you lunch on Tuesday? Let's go get some tacos on Tuesday, dude. Boom. How? Why was that so hard for us to do? Let's get coffee Friday morning. Mike, I'm going to play some disc golf. Disc golf is an amazing tool for loving people. For one of my students, it was, hey, do you want to play some Rocket League? I don't. Rocket League? He likes Rocket League. Now I like Rocket League because he liked Rocket League. 
So I started playing Rocket League with him. It's a video game. The younger generation knows exactly what I'm talking about. You just aged yourself. I'm just letting you know. Because you didn't know what Rocket League was. The newest thing is, and I'm actually very grateful it has transitioned from Rocket League to something new. Our newest generation of students is, hey, do you want get to get together and play some board games? I love board games. They love board games. Why not get together once a week and play some board games? We don't have to complicate it. Half of my student leaders, and I'm going to share, you, share with you one more statistic. Half of my student leaders over the last five years have become leaders because I convinced them to play disc golf with me. Not because I convinced them to be leaders, but because I convinced them to play disc golf with me. Disc golf is this awesome sport where I can take them out one-on-one -on -one for a couple of hours at a time. These students start to like disc golf, and eventually, I can take them out more than once per week. But if I said, hey, do you want to come over so we can share about Jesus with you and I can teach you about Jesus and disciple you, I might get them for 30 minutes at most once every other week. But I say, you want to play some board games? I get them for a few hours once a week. Caleb, our newest staff member I just shared with you about, he would go out and play with me two to three times per week, sometimes even four or five times a week. That's four to ten hours per week that I got with him one-on-one -on -one where I can teach him things and show him things. And oftentimes, I learned more about him through disc golf than I did if I was talking about Jesus. And now we had another student who he became a student leader he really wanted to beat me at disc golf. And one day we were on the last hole, and he missed his putt. And that putt meant that he didn't beat me. And he got angry and kicked his bag. Hey, I noticed you got really angry there. Let's talk about that. I learn more from my students from disc golf and board games than I do talking about them or talking to them about something that the Bible says. Now, I can insert those, that wisdom, I can insert that teaching in there as I learn it, as I know it, as it becomes important, but it doesn't need to be this dusty, old religious thing that died in the 1950s. Our faith can be dynamic, it can be renewing, it can be fun. We can make Jesus fun. I just invite students into my life or I invite myself into their life. Find something that we can both enjoy and do it often. Oddly enough, I found the number one thing that college kids like more than anything else is food. And so if there's nothing else that we enjoy in common, at least I can invite them over and make them a meal. With our international students, how I get most of them into uh, conversation is I invite them over, I pay for all of the ingredients, and they get to cook me a dish from their home country. So I get to eat Indian food from a student who's from India and can make Indian food way better than I can. And then I then in turn make a meal, an American meal for them. More often than not, they request steak. So I've gotten pretty good at cooking steak over the years. That gets me at least two opportunities to visit with them for hours on end, and international students will stay until way late at night, so I usually get five, six hours. 
to just have a conversation with a student. And since they're coming over to my house to cook it, I get to have conversations with them while they cook it. It's not complicated. We don't need to make it complicated. Making disciples is really simple. Because when it comes down to it, Jesus modeled it for us first. He went alongside every disciple, called them to come and be fishers of men, and then invited them into his life. And they did life together. It's a Christian term. We'll do life together. We also need to stop saying do life together. It's weird. But they lived their life together. They were with each other frequently. Now, I highly doubt that every second of every day was Jesus teaching the disciples, here's what this means, here's what this means. It was a part of it, but at the same time, there was the opportunities where they were out on the lake and Jesus was taking a nap. There was opportunities where Jesus gathered them around in order to feed a lot of people and multiplied food. There's another thing. Jesus fed people too. Jesus modeled it for us. He lived his life with the disciples and he invited them into his life. People don't have to come to this church for you to disciple them. People don't even have to be Christian for you to disciple them, to love them, to care about them. Now, they're not always going to accept Christ. They're not always going to become a Christian. But you can still love them. And you don't have to fix them either. Somewhere along the path, the church got this idea that we have to fix people in order for us to be doing our job. Jesus is the only one that can fix it. Stop trying to fix people and love them. Because when it comes down to it, Alliance needs you and needs you and needs you to love them. How many meals a week do you guys eat? If you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there's 21 opportunities. That's 21 opportunities to invite somebody alongside you and just enjoy life with them. We all have to eat. We all have to take the time to eat eat food. I don't have time. You don't have time to eat? Come, let's eat. You've got time to eat. I always tell my students, always be reaching out to people you don't know. Because tomorrow might be the day you make your new best friend. My generation and the generation after me are craving mentors in life. Craving people to teach us things. Craving people to love us, to care about us, to show us they're there. Divorce rate in America is, is outrageous. There's so many young men and women who don't have a father figure, a mother figure in their life because of divorce. And because of that, we grow up and they, they grow up craving those mentors, those people who can teach them things that their mom or dad didn't teach them. All of this is often referred to as the missional approach to ministry. As missionaries, this is day one of what we learn of how to spread the gospel in a place that is unchurched. And I've realized that being in America, I always thought that I had to, to, to kind of take a little bit from the church and a little bit from the missional approach to ministry. And over the years, I've just kind of realized that it's not taking one from each. It's 
we all need to have the missional approach to ministry. Our churches need to have the missional approach to ministry. Because your mission field is alliance. Your mission field is your workplace. Your mission field is what you do for a living, the people who work alongside you, the people who come and see you and interact with you every day. It doesn't matter even if you work at the grocery store or something where you don't get to interact with the same person frequently. You still are called to, to love those who come through your line, to, to love your coworkers, to care about them. Because I'm alive today because someone just like you, former cop from Shadron, actually, in fact, came alongside me and said, hey, I love you, man. You want to come over and eat some tacos? And now, because of that guy who was a cop in Shadron, he was the old Chi Alpha director, in case you didn't know. They're now pastors, church planters, missionaries who are doing what they're doing because I did the same thing. And because I like tacos, and they did too. And because I like hanging out with people, and they did too. Introvert or extrovert, we still like hanging out with people. Just being an introvert, you just like to do it a lot less than I do. Although I will say, if they don't like tacos, sorry, you got to find a different mentor. So no go for me. Tacos are mandatory. If you don't like tacos, sorry about it. No, I'm not. I don't know why you don't like tacos. But this week, I just want to charge you guys to allow your faith to multiply. You're going to have opportunities every day to show those around you that you love them. Every single day, you're going to have opportunities. As Christians, Jesus just says, take those opportunities. Make the most of that time. And I'll tell you that as you start to get out of your comfort zone and start to love people the way that Jesus called us to love, you're going to start enjoying life so much more than you did before because you're going to have so many people in your life who love you back because you love them. My life is full, chock full of people who I reached out, invited them to tacos. I mean, I just got a phone call at midnight last night from a former student who was so excited to tell me something. And when, it, when this event happened to him, he just wanted to reach out and talk to me because he loved me he cared about me because he knew I loved him and cared about him. And so as I close and hand the back, mic back over to Jim, um, I just want to challenge you guys. Take the most, make the most of every opportunity you get this week to actually love those around you. Be intentional with your faith. Reach out to that coworker. Just invite him over for dinner. Don't complicate it. And while you go, I do ask selfishly that you be praying for my wife, for the birth of our son coming soon, and that you pray for our ministry that we're able to get fully funded before the school year starts. And uh, we've got prayer cards out on the table. We've got information out on the table. Come and talk to me afterwards. I'd love to visit with you. And if you want to know any more stories, I can tell you those as well. Um, thank you guys so much for allowing me to come and share. Uh, I just want you guys to be blessed.